Welcome back, friends. You're listening to Parenting for the Culture on the Black Love Podcast Network. I am your host, Cherise Sims, mama to six beautiful heavens, ages 13, 11, 10, 7, 4, and 4. If you heard me pause, it's because that's a tough thing to know six people's ages all of the time, especially because like there's this thing that happens every year and then they turn this new age and then that throws me off because the ages are no longer the same. So that is the ages of my six children. I am wife to Professor Hiram Sims, co-founder of Sims Library of Poetry and an early educator with PBS. Uh... As always, I like to start our episodes with the peak and pit of my day. The peak and pit is something that I do with my family at home. It allows us like a window into one another's day and allows us to share little bits and pieces that we might not find out otherwise. So I invite you to do it with your family, and I like to do it here with my community. So the peak of my day is that today, my husband, Hiram Charles Sims, was sworn in by the city of Los Angeles as a library commissioner for Los Angeles City. I don't know if we can do like applause tracks in the background, but if we can, insert applause track. (laughs) Uh, But I'm very proud of him and excited for him. So that was a really amazing experience. Um, And it was also a lot of fun. Y'all, there's a lot of drama at City Hall. I don't know if you have ever been to a City Hall meeting, but there is a lot of drama and a lot of people that go there and exercise their freedom of speech. And I loved it. I loved every minute, every word that everybody had to say, including the FUs and (laughs) the shut the Fs ups. Um, I don't know if y'all's kids are listening, so... Um, but I actually would encourage you to take your children to city hall, to a city hall meeting. I think they would learn a lot. I think they would learn the power of their voice and how to use it. And also as parents, can I just say this real quick? I think we can also learn a lot because I'm sitting there watching these council members get cussed out by people, sometimes rightfully so. And their demeanor was just, you know, always having to stay calm, always having to redirect, always having to remind people of how much time they had left. And I know that that's their job. And we would expect that, you know, you're professionals. This is how you're supposed to carry yourself. But I actually think sometimes when it comes to parenting, like we talk about parenting as a job. So it kind of gave me the thought of like, sometimes maybe we can approach our job as parents in a more professional manner. So rather than like yelling at our employees all the time or getting overly frustrated with them, managing our frustrations in the same way that we would with coworkers or, you know, our employees. Um, And I share that thought because I think sometimes we as parents face this feeling of having a lack of control with our frustration towards our children and wanting to parent in a certain way that might be a little more gentle or might be a little more peaceful. And we face certain triggers where we feel like we just don't have control over it. Uh, But the truth is that I think we do. And I think we're faced with a lot of situations in life where we are triggered and we are upset And we still know how to kind of manage ourselves through those moments. And we talk about pillar P, perception. So I think if we just perceive it more as a job, sometimes we might be able to approach it with a little more calm, a little more intention, um, and a little more maybe professionalism. And also, sometimes I think that it's okay to respond the way that we do. Like I hear these people giving the comments in City Hall and I'm like, nah, that's okay. (laughs) Like... You might not like the way that they're talking to you, but they're actually rightfully upset 
And that is appropriate. You know, I think we have learned so much that regulation means to just be quiet and be peaceful and sit down. But regulation means to like meet your the environment and the feeling. So if you are upset and you're expressing upset in a way that's not actually hurting somebody, like I think that's appropriate. I don't know. Those are just my thoughts from the city hall meeting. Take them or leave them. Let me know what you think. Um, and the pit of my day is just that I'm, I'm exhausted, like exhausted. I know I've said that before. I know I have six children, so it makes sense that I would be exhausted. I have six children, a job, a business. I do the podcast. I teach adults how to write children's books. So that makes sense. But I'm actually exhausted because of spring break, y'all. <laughs> like, what happens during spring break that 24 hours turns into 38 hours? I don't know how the hours multiply on break, but the days just felt so much longer. And half of my children were gone for half of the spring break. But we did, when they came back, we all traveled. We went to Alabama. We went to Atlanta. We made it back safely. (laughs) Uh, But just, you know, with the time change, we had a birthday. One of my daughters turned 10. So we had a birthday, traveling, time change, going back to school, getting back into the routine, coming home to have to, you know, unpack for a family of eight of us and rewash all the clothes within a day of between like when we got back and when we have to get back to school and work. It was a lot. And so I haven't slept much and I'm exhausted. And I'm so exhausted that I decided I was going to take a little nap today. No, I'm lying. It wasn't a decision. I sat down and I ended up asleep on my bed. So it was an involuntary nap that I took today because I'm so tired. And when I woke up from my nap, I go outside into the living room and there are these the pocket warmers, y'all know those little like you put them in your gloves and you put them in your shoes. They keep your hands and your feet warm. So I bought about a hundred of those for Christina while she was in Iceland. And I wake up from my nap and these things are all over the living room floor. Not just the pocket warmers, but like my littles at home decided that they were going to be scientists and find out what makes the pocket warmers warm (laughs) and how they work and how they're put together. So they opened all of them and all them little warm beads were all over my floor. And I'm looking around like, man, this is why I don't sleep. (laughs) Number one, sleep is dangerous when you're a parent. It just is. I don't care what time of day or night it is. You're risking it. It is a total gamble because you never know what life is going to look like when you wake up. But also I'm like, who opened all these for y'all? And then I remembered that I opened them. I opened all of them for those little kids because I'm sleeping and they came to me and they're like, mommy, open this. And I'm so tired that I involuntarily just opened all these little pocket warmers and foot warmers for them to slice open and dissect and pour all over my living room floor. So moral of the story, um, put them pocket warmers up high where kids can't reach. So if you're tired and they ask you to open them, You you won't. I don't know. There is no moral to that. That's just life. I know you feel me. (laughs) And I wish that I had been more awake because if I was like even half an inch more awake, I think I would have had the mind to say, no, I'm not opening these. (laughs) And that's what I want to talk to you guys about today is the power of no. And I want to start with a, a story that I recently experienced, because I think one of the things that helps us most as parents is when we can gain understanding and perspective into how our children experience things and view things. 
So recently, I, my big old child self, and by big, I just mean tall, okay? I'm not, <laughs> I'm not old and I'm not big. I'm just tall and older. But anyways, I really want to have guests on this podcast, but I want a certain guest, right? She's a friend of mine. She's an amazing woman. I'm not going to tell you her name because uh, I'm just not. But I wanted to have her as a guest. So I text our podcast producer. Mind you, I text her while I'm in Alabama on a Friday, not really like paying attention to what time it was where I am. Nevertheless, what time it is where she is. And I'm like so excited about the idea of having my friend on this podcast with me that I'm like, oh, I'm going to text her. And then I text her and I was like, no, 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 that wasn't enough. <laughs> let me also text Cody. Cody's the boss and CEO of Black Love, right? So I'm like, let me also text her. That would be a great idea. So I text Cody also. <laughs> and then Crystal, the podcast producer, texts me back and she lists me the reasons why this can't happen yet. And I say to myself, oh, I know how to fix that. <laughs> so I text her back and I'm like, how about we do it this way? And she texts me back and she's like, Sharice, you got to be patient. I don't know what she said. I'm not reading the text messages. But my point is that I feel like a big old child when it comes to some things that I really am excited about and really want to do because no is a really hard thing for me. Even as a full-blown adult, it's a hard thing for me to receive and I rarely actually hear no. I usually just hear this has to be solved. And for some reason, I also hear, and you have all the knowledge and wisdom in the world to solve it. <laughs> Whether or not I actually know anything about the subject matter. And I recognize that like this is what our children do too. I specifically remember when my oldest daughter, Christina, was about a year old and she was climbing on the back of a chair trying to play with the light switch on the wall. And I'm like, Christina, get down. Christina, that's not safe. Christina, feet belong on the floor. And she continues to do it. She's very ambitious, this child. She's still this way. And she ends up falling in between the chair and the wall, like the bottom of the legs. So if the chair is face backwards, propped against the wall, she climbs onto the seat of the chair and then tries to climb on the back of the chair so that she can reach the light switch. And when her foot is on the back of the chair, it pushes the front legs forward so that the whole chair kind of slides. And this little baby's body gets stuck somehow in between the wall and the chair. And she's crying and I'll go over to pick her up. And in my mind, I want to tell her like, I told you so. <laughs> but I pick her up, see if she's okay. We put the chair back. I kid you not, about 30 seconds later, this child is back on that chair trying to get to the light switch. Only this time she's moved the chair. And I remember that like I couldn't tell if I was impressed or proud or frustrated with her because I realized that for her, th the accident and her getting injured was not an indication that she should not do something. It was just an indication that she was doing it wrong and she should do it differently. So in one respect, like I admire kids for that outlook. And I think as adults that want to be successful, that is something that maybe we should pick up more of. But don't harass Crystal on a Friday, okay? <laughs> But it also makes it very hard as a parent to set that no boundary with our children. And one thing that I see us do a lot is we try to use logic and like explain and over explain to our children why we're saying no. And I appreciate Crystal for trying to explain to me why the answer was no. But even with that, I didn't actually have the understanding I needed to feel like I should actually stop asking, right? 
But one thing that I share with parents, which apparently I need to also share with myself, (laughs) is that we don't always have to understand the no to respect a no. And the same goes for your children. Like your children do not have to fully understand the no to respect the no. Because the fact is that we are the parents. We have way more years. We have way more knowledge and wisdom. And we are saying no for a reason. Usually along the lines of like their safety or practicality, or maybe even finances. You know, like I think my kids just up and asked me if we could go to Disney World. And I was like, oh, that's cute, but not today. (laughs) And they're like, why not? And, you know, one of those situations, I'm like, I'm not even going to waste my energy explaining this to them because what do they know and understand about money or even time or getting on a plane to go to Florida, which Florida is the last place I'm going right now. But We tend to try to sit and like have conversations with our children sometimes around the no, especially people who are trying to learn about gentle parenting and wanting to gentle parent. And I think that we have to try to learn ways to give more age appropriate no's. So an example of that would be if my child says, can we go to Disney World? And the answer is, oh, not today, but that sounds like something fun to plan for the future. If they break down and say, why not today? I want to go to Disney World today. I saw Mickey Mouse. I want to go today. This is that time where I would discourage you from sitting down and trying to talk about finances with your child and explain to them the budget and all of that. And just say, you know, something like going to Disney World takes a lot of planning. And so we have to plan it. Would you like to help me plan it? And then through the process of planning, you can teach them other things and other skills and introduce them to the concept of budgeting and planning. I have a giant wall calendar at my house, which I love to use because my children are constantly asking me about things that have to do with time when they really have very little concept of time. And the only way for me to show them something that is not tangible is to make it tangible. So with something like Disneyland or even the twins have been begging for their birthday to come, like they're four years old and they still haven't quite understood the concept that they don't have control over their birthday. Like it is May 31st. (laughs) That's when it is. We're not changing it. I don't know how we do that. So rather than going through the conversation and the logic every day of explaining like, well, this is when you were born and this is how many days are in a year and this is what a birthday means. Rather than all of that, we just pull out our giant wall calendar. We draw some little happy birthday balloons on May 31st, maybe make a birthday crown, decorate it nice. And then I give them a marker every day for them to cross off the day so they can see how much closer they are to their birthday and we can count the days together. And on the day, we can plan one more thing we might want to have on their birthday so we can you know, build anticipation and whatever else. But anyway, so that was like a sidetrack tool of something I do when it comes to time. But with our children, when we say no, I think this is something that gets misinterpreted also, especially when it comes to gentle parenting or conscious parenting or peaceful parenting, whatever you want to call it. It's almost like this idea of like, you can't say no to your child. I don't know. I hear a lot of people say things where they're mixing up gentle parenting with permissive parenting. And gentle parenting does not mean that you give in to your child every time. It does not mean that you have your child avoid every negative and hard feeling. It means that you support them through that, right? And before the term gentle parenting was the term authoritative parenting, which is different from authoritarian parenting. Authoritarian parenting is that real like hard kind of triton from uh, the Little Mermaid type parenting. 
where authoritative parenting is just firm parenting that has boundaries, but speaks to a child with respect uh, and gives space for them to safely feel and process what they need to. And I think that when our children get a no, and then they have a negative reaction to that, and they might cry, and they might scream, they might fall on the floor. We as parents, for some reason, think that we need to like save them from this reaction. And so we move into trying to distract them or trying to bribe them or just giving it all together and saying yes, right? Because we're like, this is bad. The tantrum is a bad sign. They shouldn't act this way. I don't know what to do. This is making me uncomfortable. How do we end this? I would encourage you to allow your child to feel what they're going to feel. Again, if you listen to previous episodes, we talked on an episode about the idea of parenting being processing. And so when your child gets a no and they're disappointed and they're upset, it is okay. Like these are all just feelings. <laughs> these feelings are not something that we have to run from. These feelings are not something that we cannot bear. Like we can handle hard feelings. We as parents can handle hard feelings. Our children can handle hard feelings. Our children are actually like, superheroes when it comes to handling hard feelings because they do it all the time. <laughs> like It's exploding in their brains and everything is a giant emergency end of the world thing, but they get through it every single time. And our job as parents is not to avoid those explosions, but to start to give them tools and teach them how to work through those explosions. Another mistake we make is like trying to teach them those tools in the moment. And I'm always, you know, encouraging parents to teach our children tools outside of the moment. Again, if you listened a few episodes back, I think we talked about the string of yarn and how I introduced that to my children and using a ball of yarn to kind of pull the yarn to untangle our emotions. And as they pull the yarn, they talk about what they're feeling and what their anger is about. So it might be, I'm mad that you said no pull the yarn a little more. And I'm actually also hungry. Pull the yarn a little bit more. Oh, and my friend sick lolly stole my bead earlier at school. Pull the yarn a little bit more. And I'm also, you know, tired, right? So that's a tool that you can teach your child. And that's something that I taught my children completely outside of the moment. And actually, I had that ball of yarn just laying on my table for about four days. And they kept asking me what that yarn was. And they kept asking me if they could play with the yarn. And I kept saying, no, we can't play with the yarn yet. I'm going to tell you guys what it is. And I did not do that on purpose. But in retrospect, it was actually a really good strategy because having that yarn in the middle of the table, having them look at it for four days and having them wonder what it was made them highly connected to what that yarn was and extremely interested in learning about what the yarn was so that when it came time for me to actually introduce it to them as a tool for managing their emotions and their disappointment, they were completely engaged and completely interested in what I had to say about the yarn. And the yarn has been an amazing tool in our family. Y'all know Matilda. She's my spicy one. Matilda is my child. I don't know if I have shared this, but Matilda is the child who, when she does not get her way, you have become the worst parent in the world. And not just like, you're the worst, but like, she's, you're the worst parent in the world. Like it, it, it she just is so much drama, this child. <laughs> but what has happened since we have introduced the yarn is she will start and she will catch herself. She'll go, you are the worst. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. You're not, you're not, you're not. Where's the yarn? Where's the yarn? And then she'll go get the yarn and she'll start to stretch it out 
and she'll start to vocalize and articulate what she's feeling and she will put it into words and both she and I will feel better. And the answer is still no. Like her figuring out and sorting through her feelings, her being able to not have a tantrum and not have a meltdown and not cuss me out in her four-year-old way does not change the fact that it's a no. It only changes her experience in receiving the no and allows her to move on to something else. Another thing that I love, and I'll say this quickly about the string, is they have gone from using the string as a tool for managing emotions to also a tool for, like, they call it stretching their happiness. And I think it is the cutest thing in the world. And so they take the yarn and they will stretch it as far as they can across the house. Sometimes they'll even walk outside and stretch it further. This yarn is very long, clearly. And they'll say, I'm stretching my happiness. As they move back and stretch the yarn, they'll tell me all the things that they're happy about and all the things that they're grateful for. And it is just one of the most beautiful, heartwarming things. And I love it. So our yarn has dual purposes. It's been doing very well in our house. And I also want to mention with no, when I'm thinking about Matilda and the no and her learning to manage the no more gracefully, if you want to use that word, one thing about the no and things still being a no is that it is so important to have consistency in your no's and in your boundaries. Because a lot of times we will give in to the emotions or, or I mean, quite honestly, like I've done this many times where I'm just tired like today. And so no isn't anywhere in sight because I'm too tired for the no. I'm too tired for the no. I'm too tired for the meltdown. So I just give in as a means to like protect my own peace or sanity or need for rest. And I try not to do it often. But when we start to give in to no's and when we're not consistent in the no's, it really does not allow our children to understand boundaries. Now, I have to be careful with how I say this or what I want to say because I don't want it to get misinterpreted. And one thing that I hear a lot of times from parents, from teachers, is this idea that our children are manipulating us. And so we have begun to believe that their meltdowns, their tantrums, their screams, them throwing things when they receive a no is their desire to manipulate us into a yes. And usually that thought just makes us more upset with them, right? And now we're not even dealing with their emotions. We're not dealing with the situation. We're just moving into like, and that's not going to work. And that's not going to work. And you could throw that, but that's not going to work. That's not going to make me say yes. When actually they're upset, right? They're, They're not actually manipulating us and trying to look for the yes. But because we have been uncomfortable with their response and their feelings towards a no, we have decided to change our no to a yes, which makes them happy. And now we think that they have learned to manipulate us. But the truth is, we never learned to hold our boundaries with the no. And now we're looking at the child like they're doing something wrong. They're childing how they're going to child. And they're doing all the things that their body is supposed to do and is meant to do. And not only have we now identified them as a manipulator for our inability to stick to our no, but we have also robbed them of the ability of learning how to manage disappointing and challenging feelings. I want to encourage you very strongly to stick to your nose, you know, but have a reason for your nose. Like, I think that's another thing with parenting and parenting intentionally is really understanding why you're doing what you're doing or why your no is a no. For me, things like TV, 
uh, they're a no because I recognize that when my children watch TV past a certain point, they're actually not happy. Like usually it messes up their sleep. They're up a little bit later when the TV goes off, they're crankier. So I recognize that y'all don't even feel good when you have watched too much TV in a day or when you've watched TV late. So my no is easy for me because I understand why I'm saying no and I understand the benefits of my no as opposed to me just thinking like, well, the doctor said and I heard that y'all not supposed to be on the screens. So I guess this is what we're supposed to do because then you're locked into like just doing things because you think you're supposed to, which is harder to be committed to something if you don't have an actual connection to it. So we've talked a lot about children having a connection to certain ideas or things that have happened. But what about your own connection to your values? So I, you know, if I'm to give homework this week, that would actually be my homework for you is to get connected this week to your values. Think about the things that you are saying no around on a regular basis. Maybe it's candy. Maybe it's fast food. Maybe it is TV. Maybe it is you know, sliding down the steps. I don't know what your kids is doing at home. I don't know what you have to say no to, but I do know that no's are coming up hundreds of times a day. So I want you to get connected to your values and your reasons for your no so that you can hold your boundaries when it comes time to saying no and be okay with the no and then teach your child to be okay with the no. All right, my friends, before I let you go, I do want to say that there is a catch 22 to no, but I'm not going to share it here right now. So if you want to catch it, and find out what it is, join me at my free podcasting club, Parenting for the Culture. It's a Google Classroom, totally free. uh, And you can find it in the link in my bio on Instagram at Sheree Sims. And keep tuning in because we got lots to talk about. And these conversations are always filled with what ifs and questions and things that make it a little more tricky than just hearing one episode. So tune in for all the episodes and all the other podcasts that we have here at Black Love. I'll see y'all next week. Peace, everybody.